Happy Thanksgiving seasons, listeners. I hope y'all are doing so good on this wonderful Thanksgiving holiday and sharing in love, good food, and fellowship with your friends, family, and those that are near and dear to you. Uh, I just wanted to let you all know that in this season's moment, the sound quality is going to be quite different than what you are used to. Uh, Sometimes I have moments shared with some of my friends and family that don't live near me, so we can't meet at the studio, so we have to do things a different way. So I just ask you for your patience, and it's still going to be good. So maybe you just might want to turn up the volume on those uh, devices that you're listening to this moment on, and enjoy seasons. Have a wonderful day, and don't eat too much, y'all. Don't eat too much. Welcome to Seasons. I'm your host, Lauren D. McCoy. I am so grateful that you pressed that play button. You are about to experience a very special moment. Seasons is a place where we talk about the different seasons we all experience in life, whether it's exciting, overwhelming, painful, or uncomfortable. We will discuss what we do with the season we're in, how it makes us feel, the lessons we learn from it, and the stuff we sometimes don't want to talk about. The topic of this moment is the secret power of forgiveness. So let's dig in. So our guest today is one amazing woman, guys. She is one of my trailblazing sisters, and I met her. She lives in Florida, and I was at a conference, and I got to meet her in person and just see the joy of the Lord within her heart, within her actions, her words. And she is an author. She's a mother. She's a pastor. And so she is here to talk with us today about her book and her life experiences. Um, So The Secret Power of Forgiveness. Welcome to Seasons, Miss Wendy. How are you? Thank you so much. Wow, what a privilege to be on here, and I'm excited. Uh, What a privilege it was to get to meet you in Orlando, too, and just to be able to connect with the trailblazers and all these mighty women of God that are just really on fire and living their purpose, which is what we're all called to do. So, yeah, I'm excited about this today, too. Yes. So, you know, I'm not an avid reader. I, I tend to just, you know, like do audiobooks, maybe. But like being a part of Trailblazers, which is our um, group that Miss Wendy and uh, several other women are involved in, you know, we've kind of been pushed out of our comfort zone. And so I got to read your book. I did listen to it because I was trying to do multiple things at a time. But in listening to the book, which you are reading, right, which was even better because it was like I get to hear Miss Wendy read her own book. Um the secret power of forgiveness was just like, man, it hit me like, oh my gosh, like you never know what people are really going through in life. And the fact that you put your information in a book, your story in a book um, to share with so many people is amazing. So we're just going to jump on in. We're going to dig in on Miss Wendy and her story and your book. So I'm just going to turn it over to you, Miss Wendy. 
Well, thank you. You know, God gave me a lot of those tools in that book a long time ago. And I think that he does that. He prepares us because he knows there's going to be things in our life that we're going to have to walk through. And uh, forgiveness was one of those things that I've had to do on a regular basis. And, I, you know, I think people in general do, but they have a misconception of forgiveness. And that's been something that I've talked to people that say, well, I can't forgive because and they think it's going to be letting the person off the hook or they think it's going to take away from their pain or the validity of what they've walked through. And, uh, you know, in, in my early 20s, God just really started showing me what forgiveness was and just really helped me to be able to prepare me <laughs> for things I was going to go through in life. And not knowing that's why he showed us. Thank God he doesn't tell us all the reasons why he shows us stuff, right? Um, because we'd probably be completely freaked out if we knew ahead of time. But it also helped to prepare so that, you know, when I come up to some of the challenges of the book and some of the things I had to face, and, and that book literally just a microscope to the things I've walked through out some of the bigger things to share with people to just show you that you know you can walk through it and God can give you the grace to heal and he can help you in a way that it doesn't continue to hurt and you don't have to carry that pain and and uh, so that right. really wasn't something I wanted to do uh, write the book at all I battled with God for a while because you know I've, I've grown up in church and ministry and I was like the last thing I want is to be more transparent you know already in a fishbowl um, but God really just helped me to see that sharing that can help bring healing to people's lives. And, and that is something that I believe that we're called to do. And so that's why I wrote the book. Right. And so, um, Miss Wendy, where, where do you live? Tell us a little bit about your background. So I live in Summerfield, Florida. Uh, I'm here at the headquarters that my grandfather started a mission organization over 80 years ago. And uh, he actually had a vision and God told him to go to a little island in Andrus uh, Island in the Bahamas. He'd never even heard of it. And uh, so he, he packed up and went to the Bahamas, got down there and, and said, uh, I need to get to Andrus Island. And, you know, coincidentally, which we don't believe in coincidences, but he, there was a man going to that island and he got there and revival broke out in that. Uh, he started in a little schoolhouse and within just a couple of days, people were coming from all over the island and and uh, really giving their hearts to God. And he said, this isn't normal, it doesn't make sense. Uh, the little lady stood up and said that God had shown her his face in a vision four years before he was ever born because she'd been praying for her island for revival. And she wow. said, that's the man that God showed me. And she prayed for over 34 years for God to, uh, for 40 years, actually, to God, for God to help her island come to know him. And, you know, it's just the power of that prayer. So many times we think, well, we got to do major things. But that little lady's consistency and her prayer, when it did actually happen, it was like God just did this huge thing. And that island broke out in a revival that went from Andrews Island to all around the Bahamas. And one of the people that came out of that was Miles Monroe. A lot of people know Miles Monroe because he traveled internationally before he passed and he wrote lots of books and he spoke and, and uh, he he's a, a, was a huge person of influence and a pastor and all of that. And that little lady's prayers 
helped not only her island, but all of the islands of the Bahamas. And then it also transformed my grandpa's life because he had six kids and all of them became missionaries. And then they went to other countries as well. And so her little prayers just kept on, you know, having an impact. It impacted my life as well. So I'm here now in full-time ministry in that organization that was started through that lady's prayers over 80 years ago. Wow. I mean, that just shows the faithfulness in God that she had to just keep praying. You know, yeah. we don't have, there's no time limit on God. We can't put him on a time frame. He does things in his time when he knows that we're going to be ready, when he knows that people are going to be ready. And wow, that's amazing. That is amazing. Um, so let's talk about your book. Can you tell the listeners about the power of forgiveness and where that came from, what you had to experience? Um, and Yeah. Well, so it it started out with, um, you know, growing up in a Christian home and being a a preacher's kid and generations of preacher's kids. And um, I actually go back on my mom's side, I think four generations uh, preachers and and on my dad's side, we go back to my grandpa, but we had, you know, missionaries and just full time ministry. And then when I was uh, 20, I married a man that married me for the sole reason of being part of the ministry. He saw it as prestige and he thought if he married me, it was going to be his claim to fame. And he began abusing me from the honeymoon and uh, told me the only reason he married me was because he wanted to be a part of what he perceived as, as famous. And and um, it was really heartbreaking because we both married each other for the wrong reasons. I had married him hoping to get out of the limelight and he married me to get into that and uh, became very abusive. And I lived in that for four years and almost ended up dead. Uh, I got to a point where I felt like I was hurting everybody around me because nobody in my family had gone through divorce. And, you know, it was like, you just didn't do that. And uh, that was years ago. And and people in ministry back then, it was like you were looked at as, you know, an outcast and somebody with a scarlet letter for going through a divorce. And right. and I I almost ended my life over that whole situation. Um, I remember the night that I, he had for the, I don't know how many times handed me a bottle of pills and said, do us all a favor and end your life. And it wasn't that I wanted to kill myself. It was that I didn't want to be a hindrance to other people. And the thing that I have found a lot of times is the very thing that God places in us, the enemy uses against us if we're not careful. So God placed in me a heart that's almost as big as my rear end. <laughs> I'm an island girl, and I look like an island girl, except I don't have the tan, you know? And uh, people yeah. that are from the islands, they'll look at me and they'll go, I'm like, I'm an island girl. And they're like, no, you're not. And I turn around and they're like, oh, yeah, you are. <laughs> because, because I look like an island girl, you know, because uh-huh. I, I grew up in the islands. And, and, um, but but anyway, my heart is that big. And so I think because of that, I thought, well, I don't want to do anything to hurt anybody. And so I w- went to end it that night and I made one phone call and that person talked me into waiting and um, said, let's let's just see if we can get you some counseling. And thank God they did, because that turned it around. And uh, and we yeah. went to several counselors and 
eventually I was able to get out of that uh, relationship. And then actually a year later after that, he tried to kill me. Um, my and, God. and he, he was a mechanic and he fixed my brakes and uh, I, he forgot. Well, didn't put brake fluid in it. And I had an accident and almost died from it. And I didn't even realize at the time that's what it was from. Um, but I had, I later heard some mechanics saying, boy, somebody was trying to do her in. The, any mechanic knows wow. you need to put brake fluid in. And, and you know, I had a lot of reasons where I could have hung on to anger and resentment and all of that. But what God taught me in that secret power of forgiveness is he gives us the power to overcome. And forgiveness mm -hmm. is a choice that we choose, but God goes through us to be able to help us then to be able to do it, but also to release us from the pain of right. our past and to heal right. us. So in your book, um, something that, I mean, I want everybody to listen to your book, but um, in that book, you had said growing up, you never saw your parents fight and um, there was like this false sense of reality, you know, and right. so can you just like talk about that a little bit? Because, you know, everybody has a different household that they grow up in. But I truly when I read that, I I've had that conversation with so many of my friends that, you know, our parents, they they want to do right by us and they're doing their very best in what they what they know to do. But at the same time, right. It's kind of like a disservice for us not to be, not to hear or experience or see those things because then it paints this picture that's not really real. And then when we right. actually have that happen to us, you know, so if you don't mind just talking about that for a little bit. Yeah. So my mom and dad were, you know, they were full time in ministry and, and uh, they did have a, a belief that if there was any disagreements or any arguments, they did it behind closed doors. And so while that was great in the sense that it wasn't a volatile thing or where, I mean, they've never been that way anyway, but um, it just, it, it didn't, it made me have this feeling like, oh, that must be the way all relationships work. And so when I got married and then all of a sudden, you know, from the, from the honeymoon, it suddenly changed. I didn't have any tools to know even how to handle that. Like it was so far out of my reality of, wait a minute, <laughs> this isn't how you do life, much less, you know, marriage. And since then, I've, I've seen it from a lot of different perspectives. And I, I think it's healthy to have disagreements when you know how to do it in a way that honors that person. And I think women need to be able to have a voice where they, you know, they really are able to communicate how they're feeling and what they, uh, what they believe and what God wants to do with them. And I think sometimes that way of doing things shuts down somebody's voice, you know, right. um, yeah. because they don't want to have a conflict of any sort or so that one person becomes maybe submissive and, uh, my mom's blessed because my dad absolutely loves and treats her like she's the queen of the universe. I mean, she still gets coffee and her tea in bed when she wakes up and, you know, he still pumps her gas and he's old school and he still does all that. But, but there's a lot of people that that's not their reality. And if, if people don't know how to handle conflict, it can create a lot of challenges. And so right. I didn't see that. I never saw the conflict I didn't know how to handle it when I was faced with it and yeah. so <laughs> this didn't happen to you once but it happened twice right because 
You mentioned in your book how you were married to the first guy and then you got with someone else. So what happened next, Miss Wendy? Yes. So after I finally got the first relationship, I ended up not, um, I, I didn't take the time to heal. And that's one of the things that I encourage people. And, you know, I'm really big about taking ownership too. I think that's part of the forgiveness is taking ownership for anything that we might have done to contribute to the situation. Sometimes there's nothing that we've done whatsoever. It's just something that's happened to us. But there's other times where it may be because we haven't taken the time that we needed to heal. And so uh, my second marriage, I, uh, I was actually working at a psych hospital and I met him at the psych hospital and I was so depressed. Um, and just feeling like nobody wanted me and feeling so worthless and, you know, and the devil used that to help me meet this next guy who was telling me how wonderful I was. And I didn't take the time to really figure out what it was about me that got me in the first marriage to begin with. And I didn't take the time to heal properly. And just for clarification, he was not a patient at the psych hospital, right? He was an employee. No. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Thanks for clarifying that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. He was working there as well. <laughs> Although I felt like I could have been a patient by that point. I was depressed. I was, you know, 65 pounds overweight. I was just uh, feeling like, in fact, I, I was working there because I didn't have the insurance to be put there as a patient. And I thought, well, I'll get to learn the groups and maybe tools. And, you know, so, um, so it was it was kind of like a benefit uh, for being there and working there at the same time. But yeah, because I didn't take the time to really heal and because I was, by that point, I was angry at the church because when I left, they shunned me and I became an outcast and I got hate mail and I just, you know, people wrote me off and they never asked me what happened or why I was going through that. They just basically just shunned me. And so my whole life, these people that had grown up being people that I looked up to and respected all of a sudden just cut me off. And so by that point, I was like, God, if those people represent you, I don't want to have anything to do with you because I'm a kinder, more compassionate person than they are. And, uh, you know, I just was so hurt by church and by my idea of who God was at that point, because I equated God to those people. So I saw him as a bully that was out to get me. And we had grown up in a really legalistic church that was full of rules and regulations, but it wasn't about relationship. And it was really heartbreaking because my perception of God was based on that. And so I saw him as this God that was literally doing like the whack-a-moles. You know how they used to, they had those games that they'd hit you over the head. And every time I'd yeah. pop up and barely survive, then God would just like hit me over the head and bam, mm -hmm. you know. Um, anything that happened bad, I thought, well, God's out to get me. And I didn't really understand relationship with him. And so I got into the second marriage, basically like, well, the first one, he claimed to be a church boy and that's how he treated me so it doesn't really matter i can marry whoever and you know second one loved me but he also loved a whole lot of other women <laughs> and uh he was a he was a womanizer and and uh, cheated on me probably from the get-go and um uh, and so i went through a season of that and then he became 
abusive as well and started getting really angry and you know I didn't realize at the time it was because he was cheating I had suspected it but it wasn't till after I left that it was confirmed and and so um, that was a season of walking through loving somebody but realizing that it wasn't somebody I was supposed to be connected to and uh, we had a little boy together and when he was three and a half God told me very clearly I want you to leave and um, I knew if I stayed, then the Department of Children and Family were going to be involved because the relationship was becoming so volatile that the police were being called. And I just had to get out so that my son would realize that this is not the way you treat women. And also so that, you know, I could protect him. So for the second time, I went through a, a failed marriage. And yeah, yeah. it was... And so, I mean, that's a lot, that's a lot for anybody to handle, you know, um, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, you know, and, and there can be so many, it can go wrong in so many ways, but like, um, in speaking to the whole, like the people that you were raised with in church and that were a part of your life, like there's so many people that, you know, the church hurt is real with so yes. many people. And the fact that we can't in every situation feel comfortable with going to those people. Like, how do you, how did that make you feel? I mean, obviously it makes you feel horrible, but it's just like, how do you set yourself apart from things like that in your own church? And how do you forgive those people who most likely have been hurt themselves and raised to think whatever due to religious um, practices and things of that nature. But I mean, I'm sure there's people listening who have gone through something like that. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I've heard so many people say, hurt people, hurt people. And I think that when we really look at it, like a lot of times the reason people are hurting us is because they haven't taken the time they need to heal themselves and let God heal them. And so instead of doing that, they project that pain onto us and they act out and they, it's almost like a two year old throwing a temper tantrum. You know, they, they continue to show those traits in, and it's not necessarily a thing that's personal to you is it's them actually. Um, and they're going to continue that cycle with the next person and the next person if they don't take the time to heal as well. And so I think that's part of it is realizing that if they're acting like that, it's because they don't have a concept of God, of how much he loves them and who he truly is, too. So that's, you know, that's part of it. They have a wrong concept themselves. Um, but also realizing that we don't people come into our lives for different reasons and some of them to teach us what we don't want to be. And I struggled yeah. with, with telling people I was a Christian. Um, I, I struggled with that for a long time because I said, God, I don't want them to think automatically. I'm like one of those people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I would, a lot of times I would just say, you know, I'm a Christ follower because I don't want them to hear the word Christian and equate that with somebody that's trying to rob you or take advantage of you or has the fish logo on their business, but then they're under, you know, they're, they're treating you worse than a non-believer. Um, but I, I also felt like that God very clearly said, then be the real deal. If you don't want to be yeah. like that, be the real yes. deal. I like that. Be the real deal. And I mean, Ooh, 
that hit me, Miss Wendy, because it's so true. Like we, there's not enough real deal Christians. You need to make that a hashtag real deal Christian because there's so much that goes along with that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It is. And people are looking right now for the real deal. And that's the thing. Even in ministry, I grew up seeing such hypocrisy. That was the other challenge I had was like, if you're going to believe it, then believe it across the board. Don't believe it behind in the pulpit, but behind closed doors, you're doing the opposite, you know? And, uh, and that's one of the things that I saw a lot of ministers that would get up and preach, but then they didn't live it at home. And we saw the real thing at home and it was like, there was such a difference. So that's the thing I, when I came to know God and he really started teaching me who he was and he called me into ministry, I said, the only way I'll do it is if I can be the real deal. And if you can really, each time I get up to preach, give me a word that's fresh from you because I want it to be only you doing it, not me putting on or playing church or, you know, um, but I, I think we can't let the counterfeit stop us from being the real deal either. Yes, yes, that's true. And I mean, it kind of like, you know, it, like you said, like saying a Christ follower. And I say that too sometimes because, but I never really realized, and I'm glad that you brought that to my attention. I never really realized that in me saying a, I'm a Christ follower, like I'm trying to mask the Christianity side of it because people that's a turn off to people you know yeah. I didn't really do it intentionally but it's kind of like yeah I don't want to be one of them you know right. what I mean I want to be who be um, an example of who Christ really is right. you know what I mean which is yeah. set apart from what people have made it and so that's deep as well and I appreciate that you're bringing all these all these feelings and thoughts to my mind um, as far as how to to move according to to the spirit and so um, how do you forgive the two people the two men that you were married to who one tried to kill you two uh, super abusive and and I mean, you had a son with him, so it's not like you can just wash your hands, per se. Um, but how do you forgive? How can you help somebody to understand, like, the power of forgiveness in situations like that? So I think forgiveness comes down to a choice. And it's choosing every day. And sometimes it's minute by minute. Um, you know, as... I, I left the second husband, I ended up being a single mom for 13 years and he was not involved um, in my son's life um, during that time. He just, he, he actually moved away. We didn't even know where he was for a while and I had sole custody and, and um, that is probably the thing that was even harder to forgive because it affected my son. And he grew up saying, why doesn't my dad love me enough to even want a relationship with me? And, you know, when it comes to our kids, you know, there's just nothing that hurts worse than to see your right. kids suffer. But that's how God feels about us, too. That's what's so cool about it is that He He is there by the brokenhearted. And He literally grieves for us. You know, there's a story in the Bible about Lazarus that was a friend of Jesus that died. And He went there to see them. And, he, and Lazarus was already dead. And they said, well, if you'd have been here... Martha and Mary, his sister, said, if you'd have been here, then he wouldn't have died. Like, they knew God had the power to fix it. Jesus could have done it, but he died. And instead of rebuking them, he wept with them. 
And it just makes me see the heart of God of how he feels about us. Like I got myself in that mess. I married the wrong man. I went through all of that. I deserved to deal with the emotional fallout because I didn't even come to God and ask him about it. I made that mess. But even in that, he was there and he's close to the brokenhearted. And I think you have to just choose as an act of your will, like you get up in the mornings when you don't feel like going to work, you know, you yeah. make that choice to say, God, I'm choosing today to forgive them. And sometimes it's second by second, you know, especially if you're in an abusive relationship and you're trying to navigate that waters or, you know, it's continuing to happen. It's like, okay, I have to choose right now to forgive because I don't want to carry that baggage into my future. And I don't want to allow my unforgiveness to stop the power of God to be able to heal my heart or to be able to help me be an influence to other people. Yeah, and yeah. There's real power that does come from that because when you're walking in a place where you're not holding on to any baggage from anybody, you're able to communicate to God in a different level. And it's, it's like you're able to hear Him at a different level uh, as well because there's nothing hindering your prayers. There's nothing to stop you from being able to have Him work through you. And it doesn't let the person off the hook. That's the thing I think a lot of people think, oh, well, that's going to make it so they don't pay for it. Actually, God's vengeance is 10 times worse than anything that we could do. And I've yeah. come to a place where I pray for mercy for my enemies now because I know God doesn't play. It's like this mama bear, you know, I don't play. Yeah. My kid, <laughs> we're going to have some talking to do, you know, and yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's the same thing with God is he doesn't he doesn't mess when it comes to his kids. And if we do it the right way, he will defend us. Right. And, and it's so true because like a lot of times and I mean, we want to see the physical hurt on the person that hurt us, right? We want to see them suffer, we want to see them be the same thing happen to them whatever they did to us, we want to see the same thing happen to them, but really though Sometimes that's really just something that happens internally with that person. And once we walk in forgiveness and we forgive, that anger and resentment and wanting to see those things happen to them should go away. It, it, I mean, it's like an everyday type of thing. Like you have to make, just like you said, choose forgiveness daily. It's not just like a one, a one and done. You right. have to, I mean, I'm sure you forgave multiple times a day, yes. uh, hour, you know what I mean? Because it's like feelings come up and you have yeah. to address those feelings when they come up, right? Yeah. Yeah, you do. And sometimes that helps to write a letter to them that you don't send them. Um, you know, sometimes it helps. I, I remember a time where I went through and burned everything that had anything to do with him. And I just said, God, I release all of this and the pain and the hurt and everything to you. And I'm choosing to go forward and release him to you and release the past and all of that to you. And, you know, it really helped to set me free from that. Um, and now people have to remind me when I was writing the book, I actually had to have people remind me some of those things because God has given me the gift of amnesia. And I just, I don't remember it until somebody says, <laughs> yeah, until somebody says, do you remember this? And I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. That happened. <laughs> you know, yeah. But, yep. but he does heal you to the point where you don't have to carry it. And, mm -hmm. and that's such a relief because I have too much stuff going to have to carry the baggage from that. 
Right. And so what about your son? I mean, how, how, because that's, you talk about your son in the book as well, and he's experienced some very troubling things. And to add an absent father to that, um, what, what did he do? Like, how is he doing as far as forgiving and things like that? You know, how old is your son now? He's 17. He just okay. left to go to school to go away to college. And yeah, and he, uh, he just reconnected with his dad actually for the first time in 11 years. Um, so he, he uh, is trying and I, I intentionally did not tell him he hasn't read the book and I intentionally did not tell him a lot of the stuff. Um, because I felt like, you know, it didn't need to be something that he had to forgive. He already had to deal with his own things to forgive with that. Um, and, you know, he's struggling with church hurt as well, because I think he's seen a lot of things that, you know, that does, it hurts when you grow up in, in church and ministry. Um, but he's choosing himself to try to move forward and to walk free of everything. And I've got him in counseling for some of the things that he had gone through as a kid. And truthfully, everything that I had gone through in my life didn't compare to some of the things that he went through and uh, the trauma that he experienced and wanting to help him through that. And if it wouldn't have been for God, I probably would be in jail because when they did what they did to him, I, I truly wanted them dead at that point. And I saw yeah. them as somebody that if they'd have come in my house and, you know, uh, at gunpoint hurt my son, that um, that I would have, if I had a gun, I would have shot him and mm -hmm. I would have protected him and I couldn't. And so I felt like, you know, if I'd have known the right connections, I would have had him taken out at right. that point if I wasn't a Christian, <laughs> you know, but yeah. with God's help. I chose over time and that was a real hard time for me to choose forgiveness. That was probably mm -hmm. the hardest thing I've ever had to forgive um, yeah. because it was my baby. And, and, you know, I just, but then there again, it goes back to God. He sees everything that we walk through. And if we just hold on to him through that and he doesn't beat us up. I remember calling my dad at one point and saying, hell is not hot enough for these people. And my dad said, well, hell is pretty hot. And I said, yeah, I'm not hot enough. Like they need to heap on some more coals because, you know, yeah. they deserve everything they're getting for what they did to my baby. But God feels that way about us. Like he, he loves us and yet he can still love the person that does the evil to us. And how he does that is, is amazing. Um, and I don't think that people fully understand that. I was having that a conversation with somebody earlier this week about that. And it's like, we expect because we're Christians and we have a relationship with God that he's just ours. That's how I feel a lot of times. Yeah. But in reality, whether you're a Christian, whether you're not, whether you're Buddhist, Muslim, he still loves you. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. we as Christians sometimes... And, and I'm not putting myself in this category. I'm just saying that sometimes there's Christians that hold him to ourselves. Like we're, we, we covet him as our own when in right. actuality he belongs to everybody. And just because we're not just, we're not a part of a special group 
You know what I mean? His love is the same no matter what anybody does, says, looks like, feels. And sometimes we covet him as our own. And it's okay to have a relationship with God and love him and express that. But you have to share him with others. So if they hurt you, he still loves them just the same. Right. Yeah, he did. And that's one of the things that I share in the book about Stephen, um, who, you know, he was martyred for God. And yet the person that killed him, God was able to use Saul, who became Paul, and he wrote a third of the New Testament. And and he did that because of Stephen's ability to choose to forgive. And, and God loved Saul even when he was standing there killing his other kid. And that's so hard for us, or allowing it, you know, him to be killed and cheering him on. That's hard for us sometimes to comprehend because I don't know how to do that. You know, I I can right. choose to forgive and I can choose to ask God to help me to love those people, but it's the power of God through me that does it. It's not right. me myself that can do it. And like you said, it's a choice that we have to make, right? Yes. Because yeah. ultimately we want him to forgive us for the things that we do. Right. But we can't just be like, you just gonna forgive me and forget about so-and-so who hurt my feelings or mistreated right. me or abused me or whatever. Like we have to choose, if we choose it, we just like you said, we, be real. We have to be real Christian, you know, yeah. we have to be. And yeah. um, so, I mean, what do... What do you have to say to that person that might be listening um, that they're just like, but you don't understand, Miss Wendy. At first, I'm going to tell y'all, if you think that you need to read Miss Wendy's book because the <laughs> details are in her book. But um, what do you have to say to them? How can you encourage the person that's just been so hurt over and over again, whether it was by a Christian, by the church, by somebody that wasn't a like, what do you have to say to them? Well, one of my spiritual mentors is Pastor Paula White, and her story, if you haven't heard it, is phenomenal. And she was, she was, uh, her daddy committed suicide at five years old. She was physically uh, molested and locked in closets from the age of five to 13. Uh, she was an unwed mother by the age of 18, and she would have been what people would consider a statistic for a lot of things. Like she should have grown up and been an abuser. She should have probably gone to prison. I mean, that her life should have been completely different. But because she chose to let God heal her, she's gone around the world sharing the love of God. And she became the first woman to pray at an inauguration in the United States of America. Wow. And Yeah. And uh, first female. And, you know, the thing is, is the... The power of what God did in her life, he used the very things that hurt her to be able to help her bring a message to people and relate to them in a different way because of what she'd been through. So Mm -hmm. we can either be a victim or we can be a victor through Christ. And the choice really comes down to us. But the way I feel about it is I'm not going to let the devil win for what he's put me through. And in a way, we allow the person that hurt us to win if we continue to hold on to the unforgiveness and the bitterness and all of that because we're tied to that person then. And, and we're also allowing what they did to us to destroy the rest of our lives instead of looking at it as, okay, this was something that happened, but it doesn't have to define me. 
and I, I, they may have done this to me, but I'm not going to give them any more power to do anything else because I'm going to choose to forgive them. And in reality, we can impact them in a way that they don't even know what's happening. I, I recently walked through another season where somebody really did me dirty and somebody, I had several people come out of the woodwork and like, you want us to take care of them? And I was like, I had no idea. I had so many Christians that were ready to go, like, go to war. Like go to war. war right? And I'm like, no, I don't do it that way. But I said, they have no clue what they just did because they came against a child of God. They came against somebody that knows her rights when she chooses to forgive. And now I have a right to impact them in a way that they have no clue what's fixing to happen because God's going to get them. And in reality, God's given me that opportunity now to do what I had been praying for before they did what they did to, to transform their lives. And, you know, so they have no idea what's going to happen, but because I'm choosing to forgive, God is going to get involved in their life. And we have that power, which, you know, we may say like Miss Kim does, kill them with the train. You know, <laughs> we, we may feel Love that way. Kill them with the train. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, may, we may feel that way, but in reality, if we choose to do it God's way, God has a way of not only taking care of it, healing our hearts, but then affecting them and impacting them. And you don't know who's around them that could help you could be helping to change too so you know maybe they were an abuser that molested you well if you pray and you ask god to forgive and to and choose to forgive and ask god to deal with them what that does is allows god to not let them off the hook because there's still consequences that they're going to deal with but it allows god to affect their lives in ways that it may stop them from doing that abuse to somebody else and, right. you know, and so that's a big, powerful ability to be able to do that, to affect change in the person that did you wrong and in the people that are around them. And so um, for that reason alone, to me, it's worth forgiving because I'm not letting yeah. the devil win. He's he's just not getting the victory on it. He's yeah. going to pay for ever touching me or my son. And, you know, so. Yeah. And, and then and by having to give back sevenfold on top of everything else that he's done. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And so God takes care of it. He does. He does take care of it. And if we just have to move out of his way, you know. Right. And yeah. and it's easy sometimes to do that. And sometimes it's really not, you know, especially yeah. when it comes to our children. You know, I yeah. know like I <laughs> I'm one of those grizzly mamas that. Yeah. <laughs> will just maul you if you mess with my kids, you know, yes. um, but uh, we have to allow God to, and he says it in the Bible, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And we have to trust and believe that it may not look like we want it to, but he's going to handle it, you know, yeah. and yeah. our job is to heal right, um, and forgive. And his job is the action <laughs> behind, yes. you know, all that other stuff. So, yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Miss Wendy, for um, being here with us today. And how can people get your book? So they can go to the secretpowerforgiveness.com or they can get it on Amazon uh, under the Secret Power of Forgiveness. And awesome. it's going to be on audio there as well as ebook shortly. So, uh, and it's being transcribed into Spanish. So I'm really excited nice. for all my. Latino friends that are in other countries that it's going to get to be able to be set free too. And Miss Wendy, I saw that you, you speak how many languages? Three languages. 
Yeah. Three what are those three languages? So I grew up speaking Pidgin English, which is the the trade language in Papua New Guinea. Mm -hmm. uh, I started speaking that the same time I started speaking English. And then I also speak Spanish. Nice. So, yeah. Nice. Well, can you say uh, the, all that information, how the people in, say it in Spanish, so our Latina, um, our Latina and Latino friends can, can know as well? <laughs> okay. Si usted quiere comprar mi, mi libro, usted puede comprar con uh, secretpowerofforgiveness.com y con Amazon con the secret power of forgiveness también. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much, this Wendy, for being with us and sharing parts of your book and just your story and experiences and encouraging our listeners. And we hope that this special moment encouraged some of you. And please reach out to us on Instagram. You can reach us at seasons underscore podcast underscore, or you can join our Facebook group, which is Seasons Podcast. And Miss Wendy, do you have um, social media? I do. So on Instagram and Facebook, it's Misfit for Jesus because Misfit I was born Jesus. to stand out for him. That's so right. I don't fit in anywhere. So Misfit for Jesus. Yeah. Love <laughs> it. Awesome. Well, all right, everyone. Until next time, stay positive and know that you can choose forgiveness. <laughs>